0: From some of your feedback, from our programming, the feedbacks so were varied. People called in to say that they too have been having many, many dreams about earthquakes and about the city in turmoil. It only just affirms what we've been seeing. But then there's another side of it Your people will say that they can't see a God that would do such a thing. I would challenge you just to go back to the scriptures and look at to see this God as he reveals himself. Saints, the love of God and the wrath of God, they are one together. He is that God. Notice so many times when he would promise blessings, he would also threaten to say, if you don't do it, then these are the consequences. And if we don't take his threat seriously, we will find ourselves at the short end of a stick. A man named Eli, high priest, powerful man, called by God. God came to his house and spoke to him. He did not rise up to address the concerns of God's heart. And after that, God came again to his house and said to a small boy, Samuel, everything that I said that I was going to do to Eli's house, I'm going to do it. And then he summarized it by saying this, that the sins of, of Eli's house will never be atoned for. Not with sacrifices or with offerings. There's nothing they're going to be able to do to get me to forgive them or to wipe this out. This is God. He also talks about the sins of Manasseh, where he covered the land with innocent blood. And it says that God would not forgive those things that Manasseh did. Even though Manasseh repented and he humbled himself and he cried to God, the sins on the land were not dealt with. And those sins of the land, the blood of the innocent crying out for vengeance has to be addressed by a just judge. Beloved, we've been crying to God. God, we've heard you. We've heard you. Now, what is it that you want us to do? I've read in your word where when you're speaking judgment, you give details as you did with a Jeremiah and with Ezekiel and with an Isaiah. You give details. And we've been crying to God, crying to God. God, show us. Give us understanding. Here, since I was led to the sharing from our friend, Apostle John Molinde from World Trumpet Missions in Uganda when he first came to America with the prophetic word for our land. And I'm just going to allow him to unpack it for you in his voice for the rest of this program i pray that you will be able to to sit here and appreciate and then allow your heart to respond to this may god bless you so much
1: jesus we give you praise we give you glory and honor lord we know that we've all come a long way in our spiritual walk and ministry to you we've all met the valleys and the mountains we've come up against walls and we've come up against the constraints of our system and Father, many times we've felt like we want to settle for what we see today rather than what we know is offered to us in the Scriptures. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that through every kind of ministry that is going to be here in the next few days, that somehow you'll get through to every one of your people, every one of your servants, everyone according to your resp- to their responsibilities you've called them to. That's, Lord, somehow you'll speak into our hearts the direction for the next the next era oh god that we don't leave this place oh god as we came but we leave having heard you having met with you having conferred with you oh god and lord we pray for the grace the grace to receive and to apply to walk the walk lord And in all things we say all we desire is your glory and let your will be done in jesus name we pray amen amen I'll ask you to go with me to the book of Psalms, Psalms 11, verse 3. And it says, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? That's a wonderful question to ask ourselves. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? And there are many, many ways we could approach this particular scripture. But before I go into any sharing, I want to share my very first encounter with God on this continent, on this, on the soil of America. It was about eight years ago when I first came to America. The Lord had spoken to me earlier to prepare myself for what he was going to send me to, to Israel and to Europe. And I spent many weeks, actually months, praying with the intercessors in Uganda, spending many hours just interceding for these two lands. But just a month before I came, the spirit of the Lord said to me, work on getting an American visa because I'm going to send you to America on this very trip. And i will not go into all the details, but at the time I found myself in America and I was in Chicago and I registered for a conference that was in Chicago to do this prayer and spiritual warfare. And then I was to visit some friends who had come down to Uganda who were in Oklahoma. And I didn't know why God was sending me to america he had given me a very clear prophetic word from for europe and for israel and had promised me that on this on that particular trip every nation where he's going to take me is going to be giving me a word for that nation so i asked the lord about the word for america and he simply said i'll give it to you on the road and i accepted that and one about a few days maybe about three four days before i left uk to come here i was praying in the, in the before dawn And i received two chapters of genesis 18 and 19. i felt the lord was leading me to read through them and i did that and after reading through them the spirit of the lord just said to me intercede through those verses for america you remember when the angels came to visit abraham and ate with him and then they talked about sodom and gomorrah and abraham stood before god and interceded for sodom and gomorrah then the next chapter the destruction of sodom and gomorrah i came to Chicago and the very first night I got here I went straight to the conference which was a blessing came back and got on my knees to pray before going to bed and I did everything I knew how to do but I didn't break through into God's presence and I went to bed the next morning I woke up and got into prayer and I prayed and prayed but did not break into the presence of the Lord and I thought that's odd I went to the conference. In the evening, I was staying in the same room with a Kenyan pastor. And we prayed together. Again, I didn't feel that I broke through into the presence of God. And for me, that was a cause for alarm. Because I would not spent that long without breaking into his presence for many, many years. And I thought, Lord, something must be very wrong. And very early in the morning when I woke up, I said, Lord, I'm not going to the conference. I'm going to stay here. And deal with whatever is the issue with my life. Maybe I opened up to the enemy somehow. And I feel I'm closed out. So the next morning I just stayed the whole morning before God. And around 11. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said it's not about you. It's about the land. It's the land where you are. And I said there are layers and layers and layers of darkness covering this land. And this darkness is like a veil separating my people from my presence and hindering their prayers and quenching the spirit of prayer in my people, quenching faith in my people, quenching zeal, and just putting them as low as it can push them. This is is the, the kind of suffocating environment the church was operating in. That gave me more burden. I I, I stayed the whole day just praying and interceding. And I got all sorts of things in my spirit. But when I left Chicago and went to Oklahoma, my burden increased because I came to the fellowship of my friends, their pastor friends. And they had been such a blessing to us, a big, big, big blessing to us in Uganda, both prophetically and also in ministry. God used them powerfully. And yet coming to their fellowship, there was such a hold over the fellowship, you felt you could not operate in any way, any effort really to pray down the presence of God and it just was in vain. And that led me even further into prayer. I remember when I went back, the first thing everybody told me is, haven't you been eating? Because I went back much lighter than when I came in, because for many days I just couldn't eat. And... One day when I was praying, I saw a vision before me, and in this vision, I saw a pillar. It was a pillar made of white clay, and it was like China clay, and around it were the blue flowers molded into the pillar. It was about one meter high. It was just before me, and on top of the pillar, about this size, was a plate, brown plate, and on top of the plate was a beautiful, beautiful cake white and round and with a lot of decorations. And I marveled at the beauty, but as I looked at it, it it started moving away from me. And the further it went, the bigger it became until the pillar turned into a very high hill and the cake turned into a city on top of the hill. And then out of the city came light and sent a big glow in the sky it was, it was so beautiful so beautiful and as i marveled and looked on i heard the spirit of the lord say that is the destiny of this land to be a city set on a hill a light in the darkness and a messenger of my word and then i saw the, the picture come back and as it came back it reduced back into size and was again a pillar a plate and a cake But this time the pillar had cracks. And I can't explain why, but panic gripped me. And I felt, oh my God, it's going to break. And as I spoke it, the voice spoke behind me again and said, I'm looking for a man who will stand before me on behalf of this land. But I found none. And then the cracks really became big and I could see darkness inside the the pillar. And I, I began to scream, it's going to break, it's going to break. It's like I thought somebody should come and hold it. And as I screamed, the pillar broke. And when it broke, the plate fell and broke into two pieces. One piece fell this way, the other piece fell that way. And the cake just fell in the middle and just broke into very, very, very small pieces. The light, which was in the city, which is still around the cake, stayed in the air for a moment. It was there as a big glow, and then it went on dying and dying and dying away until everything was darkness. When the vision disappeared, I found my whole body was trembling, tears were flowing over my, I mean, tears were flowing, and I was really weeping. And I began to pray like a little baby weeping, and I said, Lord, what is the meaning of this? the spirit of the lord said to me the foundations of this nation are being broken one after another one after another every foundation is being broken and i'm looking for a man who will stand before me on behalf of this land that i may not destroy it i may not give back to it as it has walked before me and i cried and said but lord america is a land full of so many big ministries ministries of big names and people who are reaching out to the rest of the world and coordinating prayer and prayer of this sort and prayer of that sort and bringing the nations in coordination how can you say Lord that there's no prayer not enough prayer here and the Lord said to me the cry of sin in the land is louder than the cry of prayer and A few other details that went with it i felt sick after that the following day I couldn't go out of my room i just stayed in for a few days and as i continued to pray one day i was really pleading and pleading and pleading and said lord this is not the last word you have for america i want to hear your heart for america and then one time i was i was praying and in the middle of my prayers i was pleading like this the lord began to speak to me and said the cloud of judgment is hanging over this land and three waves of judgment are going to hit this land one will be a judgment against the spirit of mammon it says because my people have made money a god in my place and I've turned everything to rotate around money and I've replaced me with my with the spirit of mammon it says i'm going to hit at their financial foundations and everything will come tumbling down. It will not only touch this land of America, it will pull down the economies of many, many other countries. They'll come tumbling. It says, when you speak, speak out to my people, not only here but everywhere you go. Turn your eyes away from the perishables and fix them on the that which is everlasting. It says, Tell my people to fix their faith in me. When things fall apart, they will stay standing says the second wave will come and hit this land to be a judgment against human pride in human achievements what man has built what man has done what man has, has been able to put together and think and because of that he thinks he can be God he can replace God in his lifestyle and he can choose what is good for him and what is bad for him and he can do set his own standards and says the judgment upon that is going to come in natural calamities. It's going to come by natural means which will hit at the civilization of man. And again and again will hit. And the time will come when it will get so intense. whole cities will be raised to the ground in a matter of days. So the third one is a judgment against the liberties that overthrow my statutes and standards. In the name of rights and freedoms, my people have rejected my standards and have chosen to to state, to institute their own standards for themselves. It says, at this moment, my hand is holding back the consequences of their choices. But the day is coming when I will lift my hand and allow the flood of the consequences of the choices they've made to come fully flooding over the land. And at that time, there will be a cry for help, but help will not be near. And that was that. And again I was crying, Lord, is this your heart for America? I know you've got something that is redemptive for this land. Everything I'd heard since I'd come in was negative, negative, negative. The next day I was supposed to speak in a church in Oklahoma, in Tulsa. And I went and... I didn't have anything else to say but to share the experiences that I'd been going through in the past few days. And the presence of the Lord was so heavy. And as I spoke, there was such vivid detail coming out. And at a certain point, everybody just broke down and they began crying. And the crying avenger rose into wailing and I couldn't go on. I had to stop. And we all went down on our faces and cried and cried and cried. And the crying was getting more worked up. And I thought, Lord, let this be true brokenness. Let this pull the people through. And immediately the Lord spoke to me. He it it's not in brokenness that they are crying. It's in anger. How can God be so unjust to do that to us? How can a God, a loving God, do such a thing to us? It's in anger, it's in unbelief, and it's in total rejection. And that broke me. I didn't know what to do. I don't know how to pray about that. When I went back to my room that night, sat down on the floor. It wasn't cold, but I just felt I was so lonely. I put a blanket around me and I sat with my legs curled up and began to just weep. And I said, Lord, I just ask one thing. I want to know, what is your heart? What's the last word you have for America? And it took a long time. It didn't come immediately. But with time, he said, pray that the remnant will be big and strong and that they will not fear to stand and they will have the faith to claim this nation back. My purpose is, for this nation are yet unfulfilled I'm not through with this land but I want people who stand before me on behalf of this land and for me that was like 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 gold for me that was if I don't know sometimes they say Ugandans or Africans have got simple faith God speaks one word and you feel okay that I'll go with that and you're willing to change your entire lifestyle, you change your work schedule, you give up things, just on that one word. For me, that was enough. If I was an American, that was going to be the hinge of my life. I spoke it out with zeal. I told, listen, this is what the Lord says. We should pray that the remnant shall be big and strong and have the faith to claim back this land and not, be, and not let it go down. But I didn't seem to see the same enthusiasm. And I must confess, when I went back, a number of people sent invitations immediately. Will you come back? We'll do this and do this. We'll organize this. I just felt I didn't want to go through the experience again. It took me three years before I could say yes again to come to America. And today, I want just to pose a question. And this is not a question about what I've said. It's a question about you. As people God has planted in this land and entrusted with the heritage of this land, When God says the foundations are being broken, when the foundations are being broken, what should the righteous do? And I pray that somehow God will wake us up to say, I don't just want another good program. I'm not just looking for another discipline. I want to stop in my footsteps and say, hey, the foundations left and right are breaking. Everything around me is falling apart in every area of life. What am I expected to do by my Lord? And if only I can see clearly what the Lord wants me to do, am I willing to say yes, Lord? Because saying yes is going to mean dramatic change. And that's one thing I've found many people are not willing to face. Many people want something that comes in gradually, just to fit in. But imagine those men that met Christ 2,000 years ago, how dramatic was the change that came in their lives oh imagine the gospel coming down to africa a hundred years ago or even now as it is going on i had the privilege a few years ago just about 15 years ago to go to islands in uganda where the name of christ had never been preached so full of darkness so full of manifestations of evil you cannot even believe and i have the privilege of witnessing the power of the gospel as it comes into the life of a person it's dramatic it's not something someone says i want to learn how to live with it and slowly and work into it it's dramatic some the eyes open the realization of doom comes and says i am doomed i need the lord and when that comes there's that openness to turn to the lord with open arms and say lord have mercy upon me and when that happens people around look and say yes something beyond human power has happened and I've seen this again and again and again in different lands where the gospel comes in and this all darkness and people suddenly see the light the change comes in and I one of my greatest questions nowadays is Lord everyone agrees that the western world especially europe has become a mission field but it's a very complicated mission field it's not the same kind of field you find in africa or in asia or in south america it's a very complicated it's a, it's a mission field very conversant with the basics of the gospel and which has formed defenses and arguments and reasonings against the gospel That that people who even are very sincere and good-hearted are just covered with that veil. And that brings us to the question, what can the church do in such a situation? How much must the church be willing to do in such a situation? Of course, the, the most automatic thing that everybody talks about is prayer. And yes, prayer is the key. There's nothing that can happen. Prayer is like a partnership where we come and say, Lord, we are not able, but we are trusting in you. You are the one to do it, and you are, you you desire to use men. And here we are. So prayer brings us into partnership with the Father, where we cry out to him, let your kingdom come, and let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And I have in my spirit... A situation like what was in Jerusalem so many years ago, in the days of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was in exile, and his brethren came from Jerusalem to see him. And they say to him, and he asked them, How, what is the state of the people in Jerusalem? How are they? And they say to him, the walls of Jerusalem have been broken, and the gates of Jerusalem have been burnt down, and the people are in disgrace. And when he heard those words, if you could go with me to the book of Nehemiah, please. Verse 3 says, they say to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. And Nehemiah says, when I heard these, these things, I sat down and wept. And for some days I moaned and fasted. And prayed before the God of heaven and then I said and he continues to give the prayer one interesting thing Nehemiah says when I heard these things I sat down that strikes me like pausing activity I stopped my busy schedules I put down my programs and schedules I sat down and wept and then for some days I mourned one day I was asking myself what does this really represent And I am a man who knows in the last few years I've lost a number of very loved ones whom the Lord has chosen to take away. And I know what it means when you lose someone and people come around you to comfort you and come around you to speak strength and the word to you and you feel their company. But after a few days or weeks, everybody is gone and you are there alone. And you cannot go on crying and crying and crying. And you step out and begin to smile and begin to pick up. Your life. And with time, people begin to think you're over it. But deep inside you know, and the times when you are quiet and you begin to think, and you think of that person you lost, and you think of what of of what that person meant, what he said, what he did, or this and that, and you go through that, and deep inside you are mourning. In the night when everybody is asleep and everybody is thinking about the comfort of their beds you are called up in the bed going through memories and memories and memories and missing and feeling how deprived you've become and i thought how does that re- relate with what nehemiah was doing it was almost like oh my god what was it like when jerusalem was still in its glory What was it like when the wall of Jerusalem was there, the gates were there and the people were under the presence of the Lord and the glory of God was with us? Or what have we come to? Imagining what the people are like and the kind of lifestyle they're living in. And maybe we can bring that down to America and say, Hey, America, listen and say, what has been taken away from us? What was it like when our foundations were still strong? When our walls were not broken? And the church was still vibrant in this land. And this land was known as a Christian land, which is trying so much today to deny. What was it like when the name of the Lord was invoked by leaders and men in the Senate and the Congress knelt down on their knees and prayed together? What was it like when the leaders of cities and states came together and made covenants with the Almighty God? And say, Lord, we offer this city to you. We want you to be the king of this city. And if only there were people who would stop and mourn for days, it may come slowly. But if we give it space, it will come through. And you begin to think, what have we come to? Then one of the reasons we lack passion today is we don't stop. We are so fast and we're busy and doing things and trying to add this program to the other program. There's not enough time for the hearts to calm down and meditate on what it means that America has come to today. But Nehemiah wept and for many days he mourned and he fasted. He subdued the flesh and the spirit may even rise higher to the Lord Almighty. And out of that came his prayer prayer alone many times we look at prayer as the power but i want you to see the things which empower prayer the things which build a prayer the things he did he said he sat down he wept he mourned he fasted and then out of that he cried oh my god the prayer did not just come out of okay that's what has happened let's go and pray about it the prayer came out of the depth of the heart it was travailing prayer we you know travail is related to giving birth it was a prayer that was from deep inside it was travailing prayer and it, he interceded he repented he confessed the sin and eventually he saw in his spirit a vision of what needs to be to be done he saw i need to go to jerusalem i cannot stay here and just say lord 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 do something i need to go but how do i go I'm a slave here. I'm under another man's power. Oh, Lord, give me grace before this man. It's no longer about help them, Lord, help them. Now it was about help me to go do something. Give me grace, oh, Lord, that I may be released with this man and equipped to go and do the needful. And I think, all prayer should reach the place where we are not only mourning and grieving over things, but we come to see the direction the Lord is pointing and say, Lord, I want to be part of that. Give me the favor. I don't even see how I'm going to break out of my situation to to work with you, but give me the grace, almighty God. And he went down to Jerusalem. And the first thing he did, he spied the broken walls. He spied through the city in the night. And saw how the wall was broken, and how the gates were banned, so that he could count the cost of rebuilding the wall. He was not put off by, the, by how big the work was. Then he mobilized the people, and he spoke to them, saying, "Look what a reproach we have become! Look how the name of the Lord has been profaned amongst us! We need to rise up and put our hands to the work and begin to be rebuild the wall, beloved." i am one of the people that really believe in the power of prayer but over the last few months especially since the beginning of this year and when i came and visited america was in orlando and a few other places the lord impressed upon my heart so strongly so strongly that it doesn't matter how long america prays it's not going to bring revival to america until the church The remnant in the church of Jesus Christ are willing to go back and say, Lord, what are the broken walls of America? You know why? Because there are so many things that can affect our mindset and affect the way we see things. And therefore, we are conformed to the mindset of the land And then from that mindset, we come to the Lord and ask him things within our understanding and within our own estimation. And we are genuine. We are sincere, but wrongly sincere. And our foundation is not the real truth that God would say, this is my will and my heart for the land. And that's why we differ from what the the Apostle John says. He says, this is the confidence we have. That if we ask anything according to the will of God, we know he hears us. And if he hears us, we have what we have asked. One of the questions we are debating again and again and again is, why is there so much prayer today? And so little to show for it how can we reconcile the picture of a loving god we know a faithful god we know a god who is zealous to give more than to receive from us how can we reconcile that picture with a picture of a church that is offering god prayer offering prayer for five years 10 years 20 years 30 years and god is not responding you, are you comfortable with that picture Comfortable with the picture of a God who would take the prayers of his people for 30 years without giving what he can give. And all along, families are being torn apart, children are being destroyed, the society is falling apart, and evil is taking over. And this God is just sitting up and saying, pray some more. Something is wrong, and we need to step back and say, okay, Lord, show us what it is. A city with a wall is a wall, is a city protected no nothing can come in as it wants because the walls even enemy forces would come and lay siege and still not be able to break through sometimes they would break siege and go away because the wall would protect the city so where there is a broken wall there's no defense anything comes in and anything is taken out and if you look at that and put it in the in the case of the church i think a church always a land A nation whose walls have been broken down cannot stop what comes from outside. Anything goes. Anything comes in. It will come in like a flood. And the righteous will not want it, will not like it, but they cannot hold it back. They will stand and speak against it, but they will be overcome because there is no defense. And even the precious things of the city will be taken out will be planted there will be no defense to stop it they will go and that is what is happening in the land the inheritance is being eroded taken away and evil is being forced upon the land even those who do not want it are being squeezed into the corner as evil is claiming one more territory in the land when the gates of a city are in place the wise men have got a place to sit. That's where people would come for counsel that's where people would come to hear the wisdom of the, uh, the old men and the judgment of the judges that's where prophets would go to speak prophetically to the city so when the gates of the city are burnt, what does that mean That the land has got no more credible prophetic voices no more acceptable voices because when the gates were there everybody knew the place of authority not any prophet could come and stand up there except they recognized prophets or those that clearly have the hand of the lord but now that there's no clear platform anybody prophesies anywhere and people say why should i believe them or why should i believe her so there's no prophetic authority and there is no wisdom from above it's just like in the days of Eli, the high priest the word of god was cursed and there was no vision in the land but what is the wall anyway again and again we see in the scriptures where the lord says This is what you should do. I am the Lord. It's a way of saying, I am the one who made you. I am the one who made the things you're dealing with. I am the one who knows how they should work. So if you just do that, it will be fine with you. But if you don't do that, then these are the consequences. So the word of God is what forms the wall around us. It's a wall of protection. It's the kind of wall Job had. Lord, his Job had over his life, his household, and all, of, all things he had. The enemy could not touch him. Now, if you look in our lives today, and you go back to the scripture and looking for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me on behalf of the land. Now, many times we we'll rush to stand before the Lord, but you don't. saying I'm looking for a man who would build up the wall and stand before me on behalf of the land and I may not destroy it but I found none. praying people there are many those are many but people who are willing to go back and say what is the foundation what are the precepts of the Lord and if you go back and read Ezekiel 22 from the beginning to the end God is not talking about any physical world. God is talking about the institutions of the land of Israel. He talks about governance, about the princes who rule the land. He talks about the officials who work in the land. He talks about the blood guilt of the land, the idolatry of the land, the immorality in the families. He talks about how the sexual relations have been all distorted. Then he talks about the raising of children, how children are being raised up with a mind to be disrespectful to their parents and show disregard for the authority of their parents. And he, he, he says, look at this. Then he goes into the business world and says, look at your balances, you look at the taxes you have and the way you, gain, you make profit and gain excessive interest and extortion and how you are cheating on one another and you're being so great and unfair you have forgotten that I am the Lord he comes down and saying look at your land your land is defiled your land is uncleansed why because of what is happening because of everyone is tearing the other and then he goes down and say, look at my priests look into my house my priests have become wolves and they have told my people that there is no difference between the holy and the unholy. The clean and the unclean. They have led my people into error. And then look at the prophets. They prophesy whitewashing all the dirty deeds that, that everybody is doing. They prophesy over them and say, you are blessed. God is so pleased with you. And then he says, look at my people. They want things to be the same. They participate in this. You know. This is, and then the Lord says, "Look at the people." And after saying, talking about all those institutions in the land, He says, "And I looked for a man among them. I looked for a man among them who is willing, who would build up the wall and stand before me in behalf of the land." And if we take that into America today, and we look at the institutions of the nation, remember, God says, "All nations." his handwork out of one man he made all the nations of the world that they should inhabit the earth he determined the exact places where people shall live and the times appointed for them so if he has planted you in America it's by his design and it's not for nothing it's for a divine purpose and for this it's for this time it does not only determine where people shall live he determines the times appointed for them these are the times Beloved, if you look at the institutions of the land, the things which, the pillars that make a nation, government, the economy, remember God says, I'm the Lord. Remember the Lord who gives you power to make wealth that you may confirm his covenant in the land. He's interested in the economy and how it runs. He's interested in families and how they run, in sexual relations. He's not only interested in people being married, man and wife. He's interested in how else we use our sexuality. He talks of man sleeping with his relative, man with man, man with beast, man with his daughter. And he says, that is a curse upon the land. I am the Lord. He doesn't have to explain. He says, I have said it. I am the Lord. Remember, I created all of you. I know the purpose for each thing. And if you start distorting it all, you are defiling the land. And we've got to believe one thing. If our walls have been broken, very quickly I'll say, what are the consequences of broken walls? What are the consequences of broken walls in government, the broken walls in the economy, the economic circles, broken walls in our families, broken walls in the institutions which are helping us to raise our children, the education, the media, the culture and everything. What are the consequences? And then the church, with the priests and the way they do their work, with the prophets and the way they do their work, with the officials that are come that come in the church and have their deeds whitewashed by the prophets and the people that have learned to fit in with this system. One thing is prayer. Prayer in such a situation is rendered powerless. It's rendered powerless because if God were to answer prayer in, with the people who don't even feel the guilt. what they're doing because they've had decades and decades of being told that is okay that is right and today daily there's teaching and preaching enhancing and strengthening the lie and from that mindset people come before god and say, lord pour out and these people may be sincere but they are praying from an a, a position that is so different from what in spiritual relationships but also in human relations in material relations relationship with their material property and everything else God says if I were to pour out my spirit in answer to prayer I would be confirming your error I would be saying okay I accept this situation I would lose you because then you would never have a broken heart before me that's why he holds back that's why he holds back he's more eager to give than we are to receive but if he were to give us in this situation you know about revivals which came in and all the dirty things which went with revivals brethren we are living in last days we cannot afford to have another muddled time of revival it's time god wants to clean up his church and he wants to pour out the refiner's fire. It's not about just another good time where all the world will will flock to one city and say, we want to see the power. It's not about that. It's about a child that is going to rise above the system of the world and break the gates that are holding people captive and bring in the lost and the captive without any hindrance because greater is he who is within us than he who is in the world. And this is what we are crying. This is, the, this is the, These are the birth pangs all over the world. There is this deep cry. That's why you see today, there is such prayer like there has never been in all the 2,000 years the church has been. The people are no longer satisfied with what is. Everyone is feeling hungry for more. Everyone wants to see more. No one is satisfied anymore with what we have. We want to see the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to see the glory of God. We want to see the purity. Everywhere in the world, people are saying, is this all Jesus died for? I personally thank God for this man, Mel Gibson, and his film. It really brought it back to us and says, look at this. It's just a, a, an attempt to represent what he went through. But even looking at that, is this all he died for? Is this all he went through that for? Are we in the church? he What? Couldn't we have been the way we are without him dying? Oh sure think about it just with a few laws and regulations we could do what we are doing today there's more there's more and it's time for people to say Lord I cannot continue with life as usual I need to stop in my tracks and say Lord show me what to do Show me the broken walls in my personal life in regard to you. Show me the broken walls in my relationship in marriage. Show me the broken walls in the way I'm raising up my children. Show me the broken walls in the way I worship you and regard the church and ministry and regard the brethren and the relationship we have that are we fulfilling the love relationship that God called us unto or have we set it for some kind of club where everybody's allowed to do whatever he wants and not relate with God according to their demand there's only one law he gave us he he did away with all the laws and gave us one law love and that's the one. We don't even care to examine how many of us are really living trying to check that covenant love where he says as my father loved you loved me so have i loved you go and love each other as i have loved you if we were really hungry we'd say lord have mercy upon me kill that which is in me and hold me back from loving like you want me to love because love fulfills the law love fulfills everything god wants and that's one thing that is really lacking in the blood of Christ. And I'm not talking of human love. This is not something we can manufacture. We need to go down before God and say, teach me. Teach me how to lay down my life that I may love, that you may love through me. And then all the things we're doing in the place of work, in business, in, in, in our relationships with our nation and the way we regard the nation God has given us, the way we speak about the nation God has given us, there are broken walls left. now walls, broken walls, if God were to pour out his spirit here it would ooze out of our cities with no time and I'll finish with this if we are going to mend and build our broken walls there are a few implications one, we need to recognize that if they're broken walls, they're definitely forces which came in uninvited and, and these forces and influences changed the mindset our people and when we talk about changing the mindset of our people before we talk about our people we need to think about ourselves Lord how has my mindset been molded by my world around me rather than by your word and this is where true revival starts really I remember one of my heroes is Charles Finney. Anywhere he went in any city, he did not only lock himself up and pray. He walked through the streets and listened to the conversations of the people. He listened and by that he was spying the brokenness in their lives. The brokenness in their families, in their businesses, in their, their relationships. And he went back before God and cried. And it's time for us to start examining that. And say, Lord, show me the brokenness but also show me the corrupt wisdom. Very quickly, I'll say Romans chapter 1, it's 128, says, when they refused to be with God in their knowledge, he gave them over the corrupt mind to do things which are not convenient and makes a long list and it ends by saying, they know that those who do such things deserve to die, but they not only do them, they encourage each other in doing them. That's exactly what is going on today. And it's so easy to be a Christian and not realize that you are also encouraging in one way or another the wrong concepts to go on in the land or in the family. We just were in Canada, Toronto, and these wonderful families, very loving parents and zealous and crying before God when you look at the lifestyle of the children that stay with them in their homes, the way they live and the way way their morality. And yet they say well, that's the way the children are. That's the way things are. Well, do you realize there's a broken wall, and if we're broken, and whenever you have a broken wall, it's going to keep bringing in influences. Influences will will not only change the mindset; they will defile. They will defile the land. So if we're going to really mend our walls, we must be willing to deal with the cleansing of the land. Sin, but dealing with anything that defiles the land and take it out of our midst, cleanse up the land, cleansing up our personal lives, our homes, our churches, our businesses, and our relationships. Another thing we need to realize is the enemy does not only come in and defiles and changes the mindset when when the enemy succeeds in changing the mindset he has a foothold to take into bondage forget these teachings about oh no a christian cannot come under any bondage well watch the fruits watch the fruits they will show you who is at work the spirit of god or the spirit of the world therefore we must come to terms with the issue of resisting the enemy the bible says Humble yourselves before God, submit unto the Lord, and resist the enemy. Now I understand that there is a concept of spiritual warfare that has been handed out down through the ages, which is not as if, it's just not effective, and many people have chosen not even to think about that. But the time has come to recognize that we are dealing with spiritual realities. And these realities, these forces are real, they are operating. This is why today you have a team that is working together with you and they're full of zeal. And the next day one of them comes up with a totally wrong spirit. And because most people in the church in America have chosen to flee from spiritual confrontation, the next thing you do is to judge the brother or the sister. If possible, push him out of the fellowship because he's really exhibiting a wrong spirit. But a wrong spirit is not the person. The person is a child of God, loved of God, and God wants them free. So if we don't know how to deal with the spirit, we're going to judge the person. We need to be equipped to wage warfare and break the yoke. And tonight I just want to say, I said a lot of things. I hope the Lord will take out that, something, and bring it to me to mean something. In our hearts, and the most important thing is to say, Lord, give me a heart that connects with you. Give me a heart that is able to process what you're showing me. It's not enough to say, Lord, show me the way, and then after showing you the way, say, Oh, thank you, Lord, that was good. You need to decide whether you want you are going to take the way, or you're going to stand back and say, Somebody else show me the way. I wasn't very sure when he showed me. Next year, I'm going to come back and say, will you do it again? Just make sure I... S-. And that's what we're doing every year. Like, Show me the way, and we don't walk the way. May God have mercy upon us. Why don't we rise up and talk to God? I would like to ask that we pray in three phases. One should be personal. Just you coming before God. And just say, Lord, have mercy upon me. Open my eyes to see what you see and to feel what you feel. And really help me not just to be an observer, but to walk with you. And then the second thing should be, I would like us to pray. we'll turn around and make little little circles of three four people just hold hands and just pray for each other that these these days we have here this week God will come through every time every period of ministry and word, the teaching, the fellowships that you are going to have here, that God will somehow minister to us in a way, pray for each other not to miss what God is doing, pray for each other not to miss what God is saying, pray for each other to have the, the heart, a soft heart before God, willing and ready to move with God. And then the third way of prayer asked that we lift up America lift up america before god and cry for the remnant out there there are men and women out there who still have a hunger for the righteousness of god for the glory of god and let us just pray god please reach out even this week reach out to these men all over america from north to south east to west raise up the remnant raise up the remnant and
0: strengthen the remnant to be strong and claim back this nation for your purposes